you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Greetings and welcome to a special free agent edition of NFL Fantasy Live. I'm Jason Smith alongside NFL Fantasy Editor Michael Fabiano and Fantasy Analyst Elliot Harrison. We've seen a lot of big dominoes fall in free agency. Peyton Manning, Matt Flynn, Vincent Jackson, Brandon Marshall. will give you all of their fantasy value, what it means for the upcoming season. And of course, we will hit on the biggest stories going on the last few hours here at the National Football League. And that is the story of Tim Tebow going to the Jets and Bounty Gate. What does it mean that Sean Payton's going to be gone for a year? How does that affect Drew Brees' fantasy value? But guys, let's start with Tim Tebow. Man, yeah, I'm a Jets fan, so we'll start with Tim. Yeah, Tebow. you're going to be unbearable now, you aren't you? Oh, wait, I'll be as unbearable as you were last year about Tebow. How much you love Tebow? He's I did. A, he's I did. a Jet. I don't love him in fantasy anymore, though. It's kind of tough to. It's unless something happens and he winds up taking over starting mm-hmm. quarterback in New York. That's not going to happen early on. Right. Both guys, because Sanchez finished last year as a top ten fantasy quarterback. He, he was, was number tenth. ten overall. He had six rushing touchdowns. It's really helped his value, which he won't have next season. No, but now you have Tebow cutting into Sanchez. Are the are either of them even draftable at this point? Yeah, considering uh, what's Sanchez, I think is draftable. Elliot yeah. I, Tebow, I don't think is. I think Sanchez is draftable, but sometimes those rankings are, are they're dicey. Should we say? I mean, could you ever have a lot of confidence last year, or did you ever have a lot of confidence? With Mark Sanchez in your fantasy lineup? I never did. Well, I had him on my roster. Remember, it was every other week. Yes. He was horrible yeah. one week, then, he, then was he was great, great, then he was horrible, then he was yeah. great. And I think he is going to be more inconsistent because of two factors. One, Schottenheimer's gone. They're not going to throw the ball that much. They want to do the ground and pound. Number two, six touchdowns. That's 36 fantasy points. Maybe he has two next season. That takes him down quite a bit. He gets down to in, in between 15 and 20 at the quarterback position based on fantasy points, at least in my opinion, because Tebow comes in there near the goal line. He's going to hurt Sanchez's value. He's going to hurt Sean Green's value. He could hurt Joe McKnight's fantasy value, who I know that you like, Jason. So it's a good move for the Jets, 
And Jason Smith will clearly be wearing a Tim Tebow jersey uh, in green and white sooner than later. I can't but from have fantasy one perspective, you should have one already. It's it's not a great move. You've made a lot of the Jets really fantasy irrelevant because now you know they're not going to throw the football as much, which means less of a value for Santonio Holmes, who had a bad year last year. Are you really going to draft Chaz Shalins, who's going to be – the number two guy, <laughs> ostensibly. All right. Oh, you that's have, horrible. You have Dustin Keller, who maybe is a good tight end. He has a great week every three or four weeks. Really, the Jets have become almost like a, just the, the addition of Tebow. They've become a fantasy wasteland because none of these guys you can draft and say, they're going to be in my lineup every week. That's what this addition has done to them. Well, I think, you know, if it's me and I'm looking at the Jets, I'm looking at Dustin Keller still having pretty good value. And I think Sean Green is somebody that you can roll the dice with. They haven't given up on him. I don't think Sean Green was the problem. The right side of that offensive line was terrible last year, and Mark Sanchez's struggles affected the running game. I mean, if, if, if your receivers aren't getting any separation, your quarterback's not accurate, your running game is going to suffer because the defense is going to put that safety in the box. So if it's me and I'm looking at the Jets from a fantasy perspective, I'm thinking Dustin Keller one and probably Green two. All right, now another quarterback that's been in the news for different reasons has been Drew Brees. And this is, for fantasy-wise, he's the one we are concerned about because of the fallout of Saints Bounty Gate. We found out this week Sean Payton suspended for the entire season. GM Mickey Loomis is gone for eight games. They're losing a couple of draft picks. They're going to play this entire season under a cloud with a different type of leadership. It's going to be a rougher season for the Saints going forward. Does this change? And we talked about this on our instant debate on NFL.com. You can find it at NFL.com slash fantasy. Does this change Drew Brees' fantasy value as far as where you would draft him? Because right now he's someone you would draft right at the top. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Cam Newton. Does this affect his value everywhere with this decision knowing going forward? I I can't drop him past. Like right now uh, I have him below Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. I had him above Tom Brady. I'm moving him down one because we're not talking about a second-year quarterback who's had mediocre fantasy numbers and mediocre success. This is Drew Brees. I, I think he could probably run this offense in his sleep. Uh, and, and I think Elliot agrees with me too. The the one thing that worries me, if there's one thing, is that the cohesiveness of the team. Peyton's gone. They lost draft picks. Uh, who knows what's going to happen in terms of other suspensions. So that's what bothers me a little bit. But I'm also sort of a realist in that, is Drew Brees really going to throw for 5,400 yards and 46 touchdowns again? I don't think he was doing that even with Peyton calling the shots all year long. So is Drew Brees still worth a first-round pick? I think he is. I, I can't put him below Matt Stafford or Cam Newton or Tony Romo, guys. Can you? Well, you know, we had this discussion uh, at Fab's Lush, you know, his, his giant office he has here. Yeah, giant office. Giant office here mm-hmm. in Culver City. And, and I That's agree. where all the Diet Coke is. I, right. I know that he's got the little That's refrigerator under his desk. That's why everyone comes and visits me. Yeah, you have the George Costanza refrigerator under your desk. It works yeah, out pretty well. It's like uh, college. That's why you had to walk across <laughs> the street to get... <laughs> To get me my Mountain Dew, which I greatly appreciate. No but, problem. You know, you look at the Saints. Keep in mind, they spent a first-round pick on Mark Ingram last year. They didn't do that just for giggles. So when you talk about, is he going to have the same numbers? I think they run the football more. Secondly, there's no way he's over Tom Brady in my book. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady just got Brandon Lloyd. Love that. Added to, I love that, too. Added to his arsenal. In fact, you can make a case for Tom Brady being number one because Aaron Rodgers lost Philbin. And you never know when you when you pull a coach out of the mix. You never know what's going to happen. Now, will Breeze be greatly affected by Sean Payton not being there? I think he'll be 
affected somewhat. But mm-hmm. Breeze already picks his favorite plays. You see that armband he wears on his left wrist during the game. Half of those plays, I guarantee you, are plays that he picked, that he told Peyton that he wanted to run. He's going to do the same thing with Carmichael. Yeah, I, I think yeah. is I think the lowest you can go, and I can see myself doing this, where if it comes to the draft and I'm like, boy, do I take Cam Newton or do I take Drew Brees? Uh, maybe I'll take Cam Newton here. I don't drop him past five because there's still those five elite quarterbacks, and we've talked about all of them. But I think he's ahead of everybody else. He's still ahead of Peyton Manning. He's ahead of Romo. He's ahead of Michael Vick. He's ahead of Eli Manning. He's ahead of those guys. So could I see me, myself taking – Brady or Rodgers, those guys ahead of Brees? Yeah, I can. Because, you know, you got the bounce back factor that Fab's talked about. But, yeah, he doesn't get below the fifth overall quarterback for me, which is still a first-rounder. Right. I completely agree. You know, Pete Carmichael, he actually did get some play-calling experience uh, towards the end of last season. So he's not completely inept there. And, again, we're not talking about Mark Sanchez, not to take a shot at your buddy. But, but, but you but you This would. is Drew Brees. Yeah. This is Drew Brees. There's always going to be, I just want to say, there's always going to be knee-jerk reaction to anything. You're always yes. going to have those guys that think that Drew Brees is all of a sudden going to be Derek Anderson this year. And it, that's just <laughs> not going to happen. And let's not forget one really important factor. What did we always talk about about uh, Michael Vick last year? Don't draft him number one because you're concerned that he's not going to play a full slate of games. Drew Brees always suits up for 16 games. And you can't discount that in fantasy, having mm-hmm. that reliability. Now, you talk about suiting up for 16 games. That brings us to Peyton Manning. On the surface, we think in Denver, 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, that's going to be about where he's going to be at because that's what he's done mainly for his career. He's coming off injury. He's got a tough schedule. but doesn't play a lot of tough defenses, so that's a good thing. Peyton Manning, where do you draft him? Where do you draft Peyton Manning next year? Well, first I want to talk about where I rank him. And I have him right in that tier with Tony Romo, although I have Romo higher than Peyton, Michael Vick, Phillip Rivers. I have Manning at number eight among quarterbacks. And there is the risk factor. He's 36 this season. He's had multiple neck surgeries. The upside is he's Peyton Manning. In his last full season, he threw for 4,700 yards. That was a career best. 33 touchdowns. The year before, 4,533 touchdowns. He wasn't exactly declining statistically or from a fantasy perspective, and we've all talked about over the last year how this has become a passing league, and Peyton Manning is going to pick defenses apart. Now, I love the the weapons that he has there. We're going to talk about that as well. There's, again, some risk because of the neck, because of the age, but I would not be afraid to draft Peyton Manning uh, end of round three, beginning round four. Maybe if you lasted the end of round four, I would have no qualms about grabbing him. I think where Manning might hurt you, besides the availability factor, which is how you brought us into this conversation. As you always say, a player's best ability is his availability. You tell me that every day. Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. Okay. So Peyton Manning, I worry about that. But interceptions, I do worry about too. He threw a lot of interceptions his last full season in the league, 2010. I'm not saying he's a turnover machine. But when a guy's had a layoff, I mean, look what happened with Carson Palmer. I know Peyton Manning's a better player than Carson Palmer, but Carson Palmer threw a ton of interceptions. When a guy has basically been on his couch or has been watching games for a year, you wonder how much they're going to force the ball. You think some of that's going to be worked out in mini camps. It'll be worked out in training camp and preseason. But I wouldn't be surprised if Manning has maybe 15 to 20 interceptions this year. Still plays great football. Still has over 4,000 yards. Still has 35 touchdowns. I'm just saying don't be surprised if there's also 17 interceptions. Yeah, no, and I can see that. And I think it's, it's two different questions with where you should 
draft Peyton Manning and where he's going to wind up yes. being drafted. Because you remember, we're going to have a lot of time to go. People are going to have time to see Peyton Manning in training camp and go through the preseason and then do your draft the end of August, beginning of September. Peyton Manning's got a clean bill of health. Suddenly then, if you think he's a third or fourth round pick, which I agree with Fabs, but if you want him, you're going to have to get him in the second round because somebody I wouldn't in your reach league is going to – somebody's going to do it. But Let him do it. do it. Let so them do it. If you really want him – you got to get him in the second round because that's where he's going to go. There's He'll so, go after those five, those top so five So many good quarterbacks this year. It's unbelievable how many good quarterbacks. You've got Peyton back, right? Jay Cutler, you would think his value is going to increase now because he's got his boy Brandon Marshall in Chicago. You've got Andrew Luck coming into the league. You've got RG3 coming into the league. So while I'm going to sort of focus on a quarterback in the first round, if there's not a really good running back available, and by really good running back I mean Arian Foster, Ray Rice, LaShawn McCoy, uh, or Maurice Jones-Drew. I think if you don't get an elite quarterback in that first round, beginning of the second round, you can wait on a guy like Peyton Manning in three or four, or a Phillip Rivers who could fall to round five because people are just looking at what he did last year. What have you done for me lately? Phillip Rivers is going to have a bounce-back season. Going on to the Broncos' weapons. Now that's a conversation that we have to have because to me – and maybe this is just reactionary, but I've loved Demarius Thomas even when I thought Tim Tebow was going to be the quarterback there. He's a top 10 fantasy receiver to me. I really think he is. And if you look at the turnover at wide receiver year over year, you always see new guys up at the top five, top 10. So I think Demarius Thomas's value is going right through the roof. Well, there's a couple of things that, that you said there I want to respond to. Number one, uh, you talked about reaching for Peyton Manning, Jason. If you're in the snake draft and you pick third overall, well, your pick's coming up in the third round. You're third overall, and you want Manning. You're going to be at the very bottom of the fourth round. So you're almost forced to take him. In this, if you're, I'm saying if you're picking at the top of the third round, or otherwise you're not going to get him. Uh, yeah. As far as Demarius Thomas, I like Demarius Thomas, but I really like Eric Decker because Eric Decker is a smart football player, and we've seen what second receivers have done in Indianapolis's offense. I mean – Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne, there wasn't this great disparity between their numbers. And we've, we've even seen what a guy like Austin Colley could do coming in and filling in. And then, you know, Pierre Garçon. And then you had Blair White even for a little while. Jacob Tammy yeah. caught about 70 passes in 10 games. So I think Eric Decker, just by virtue of being a smart player and knowing where he's going to be on the football field, could be a very good fantasy value. Yeah, I, I like Demarius Thomas, possibly a fourth, maybe third-round pick moving up as he, he as well. I think Eric Decker could be a fifth-round pick. Willis McGahey, just to get his value a little quick, I think it, it takes a big nosedive simply because his value is predicated on him getting the football 28, 30 times last year. How many 28 carries for 105-yard games did he have? He had plenty of them. That run-to-pass ratio is going to invert now for the Denver Broncos, so he's not really going to get those carries that he normally gets, so I would avoid him. But uh, speaking of elite quarterbacks, we have Jamie in New Jersey. Jamie, you're on with NFL Fantasy Live. What's going on? What's going on, guys? Jamie, what do you got for us? I just say sorry to uh, Jason Smith for the circus getting bigger in New York. That's okay, man. I love the circus. The circus is fun. Cotton candy, bearded lady, all that good stuff. Uh, But I I called you guys uh, recently about Drew Brees. I got the number five pick. I was going to take him. Should I still take him or should I take a running back or take Brees and take a running back in a second? So we have the number five overall pick. Redraft, right? Yeah. I'm taking mm-hmm. the number yeah. five overall pick. It really depends on what running back is available there, to be quite honest with you. Uh, is Tom Brady there? How about that? So if the first four picks are, let's say, for me, the first four picks are going to be Arian Foster, LaShawn McCoy, Ray Rice, Aaron Rodgers. 
And at five, yeah. Tom Brady. I was just about to say, if LaShawn McCoy is sitting there at fifth overall, that's not even a debate. You you jump on a guy like that and worry about getting your quarterback later. Yeah, I like Brady over Breeze now. Really? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, Brandon Lloyd's going to do nothing but help Brady's value. Uh, he's going to put up some numbers. And again, I don't think that the Breeze Peyton situation devalues Breeze greatly. But would I rather have Brady over Breeze now? Yes. All right, Jamie. Appreciate you think, it. Thank you. you uh, take both of them over MJD. Yes. Yeah. MJD, yeah, there's, there's too much nerve-wracking about uh, MJD. You worry about his knee. You worry about him getting a little bit older. He did lead the league in rushing last year, but still you're talking about potential for fantasy points. He didn't get the end zone awful lot. You're talking about touchdowns, touchdowns, touchdowns. Is really. And let's keep about. in mind one thing on Brady here. He, he doesn't have a lead back to hand the ball to. Their, their passing game isn't going to be going down. Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski – they're going to be one year older. They're going to be smarter. They're going to know what they're doing. They're not young, you know, rookies anymore, second year players. They know what they're doing uh, in that offense. And then you throw Brandon Lloyd into the mix. And then, of course, you got Wes Welker. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at NFL Fantasy, at NFLcom Live, a way to follow everything we talk about. Get all kinds of insight from myself, Jason Smith, Michael Fabiano, and Elliot Harrison. Now, before we get to running backs, Let's uh, get to one more quarterback that is very interesting because potentially he could be great. Potentially he could also be the next Rob Johnson. Matt Flynn goes to Seattle. All right. Now he had one great game with the Green Bay Packers, and I know plenty of owners are going to sit back and say, boy, he's going to throw for 500 yards every week. He's got Sidney Rice and Baldwin and, oh, my God, and Marshawn Lynch is back. Is Matt Flynn anything more than a backup right now? In fantasy? Yeah. No, I would have thought that maybe he could have been a sleeper in Miami with Brandon Marshall there and Joe Philbin. But now things have gotten really, really messy with the Dolphins. And we could talk about that also. But guys, let me let me throw a question out there. And I know all the Seattle Seahawks fans are going to hate me and they probably already do because I never talk well about Seahawks. Because you're a jerk. Thank you. <laughs> Anybody who knows you thinks that way. Oh, was that me, out loud? I'm sorry. Give me, Smith, relax. <laughs> give me a player that left the team to go to Seattle and made a huge fantasy impact. And don't put Marshawn Lynch in there because in 2010, he was terrible. Last year, he was very good. I think he's going to be a bust in 2012 if you draft him in the first round. But tell me, give me a player who's gone to Seattle and thrived from a fantasy perspective. It got quiet in here. It is quiet. It got quiet it's, in it's here. It's really, really quiet. Dion I can hear Branch, Elliot Harrison, TJ Hushmanzada, Sidney Rice, Leon Washington, Leon Washington, Kelvin Martin. Do I? Th- <laughs> <laughs> a Cowboys fan would say that. Yes, Kelvin sure. Martin. But is he worth a late round flyer as a two? Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't have nearly close to the weapons that he had in Green Bay that he's going to have in Seattle. There's no Greg Jennings. There's no Donald Driver. There's no Jordy Nelson. There's no Jermichael Finley. Uh, there's no Joe Philbin calling pass plays like crazy. You know how much the Packers threw the ball last year? They made their running backs irrelevant in fantasy. Now in Seattle, they're going to run it. They'll pass it some. I don't like Matt Flynn. So, so I don't want to take Ben Obamanu in the first round. No, you don't. Okay. Well, well no, I, if, if you're, you're in, in my, my league, draft, yes, please. <laughs> See how fans and I please think do like, that. like fantasy sharks we are. Yes. All right, let's get to the running back position here for a couple minutes because it's been slow for the running backs, but there is some big fantasy impact here. And, and, and number one, let's deal with Peyton Hillis going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Football-wise, and Elliot, I know you hate talking about fantasy with reality, but football-wise, huh. 
Payton Hills to the Chiefs is a great move. You want to get some kind of insurance for Jamal Charles. You don't know how he's going to come back. His game is all about speed. Usually players with torn ACLs, it takes him a full year to recover. Payton Hillis needs to prove himself that he can still be a big player in the NFL. Great news for the Chiefs. But fantasy-wise, if you had questions about Jamal Charles now, forget it. You know he's not getting the football on the goal line. You know Peyton Hillis is going to get some carries. Jamal Charles right now has gone from being a first-round pick, in my opinion, maybe late first-round, depending on how he comes back. Now maybe he's a third-rounder. Maybe he's in, in the Fred Jackson area where, boy, you have Fred Jackson, C.J. Spiller. That has hit his value hard. Peyton Hillis is still a flyer, maybe a later-round guy, like an eighth-rounder possibly. But, you know, uh, Jamal Charles, I know Fabs likes Jamal Charles, but I can't draft hey, him. I don't like him as much now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think there's a couple things here. N- number one, I, I liked Charles as a first-round pick because his injury came so early in the season. I believe it came week two in Detroit. And he's had, he's a young guy. He had the whole season. He had the whole off season to rehabilitate. Don't forget that Jackie Battle and Thomas Jones were on the roster last year. It's not like Jamal Charles has ever been on the team as the only guy. Even when he had that big year in 2010, Thomas Jones had 896 yards rushing that year. So I think that Jamal Charles can still have a big season, even with Peyton Hillis on the roster. Now, does it give me pause? that Hillis is going to be the thumper and that Charles isn't going to get the goal line work? Sure. But would I wait into the third round on him? No way. No way. I could see waiting in the second round. But like I said, Thomas Jones got almost as many carries as he did when he had that monster year two years ago, and it didn't affect his fantasy value very much. You know, Fabs, I look at Jamal Charles, and I see somebody, another question at running back, where basically all the running backs have questions about them. Boy, do I take this guy here? I mean, the running back position has never been more devalued yes. than it is right now. Mm-hmm. Where do you go with Jamal Charles? I, I'm with Elliott third, fourth round. I, I still don't want to draft him. He, he might be one of those guys where even though I know how good he is, I don't want, I'm not going to draft him just because I'm too scared. I think he's a second rounder. I think he's going to come off the board somewhere in the second round because of a couple of things that Elliott said. He was hurt early in the year, and he also has youth on his side. He's a, he's a young running back. And if you guys remember, he had one of his best seasons, if not his best season from a fantasy perspective, with Thomas Jones there. So does Peyton Hillis hurt his value? No doubt about it. Goal line carries, short yardage. Peyton Hillis is a versatile back. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. But also remember that Charles is used to being sort of in this committee situation. The one thing that I worry about is how much of his explosiveness was left on the operating table because that's where he makes his place. What did he average, Elliot? 4.7 yards a carry, 5 yards a carry when he was having his great statistical season. Oh, Charles? Yeah, he was five years. Yeah. yeah, he was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. See, I even uh, he, he was great. How much of that was left on the operating table? Only, in fact, I believe only Jim Brown with that many carries averaged more yards per carry in a season mm-hmm. than Jamal Charles in He was fantastic. And, and I do remember Thomas Jones. That's what I was, I was saying is that I, Thomas Jones was in that backfield, started a lot of the games, getting yep. the carries. Mm-hmm. I think Charles will be okay. One more thing to keep in mind, Jason, is that Peyton Hillis has had a problematic hamstring. And, you know, we're talking right now, it's March. You, know, you never know, in training camp, Hillis strains that hamstring, and he's out the first six games of the year. You're just not sure what's going to happen there. So, luckily, we don't have to draft right now. All right, let's speaking of draft, because now there is a bit of a debate because if none of the Carolina Panthers running backs were draftable now because of how devalued they are with Cam Newton, now you're throwing in 
Ta-da! Mike Tolbert, who we thought would go to a different place where he'd be more fantasy relevant, but now you have D'Angelo Williams, who has all the money and was disappointing. Right? He came on a little bit towards the end of last year. You have Jonathan Stewart who catches a ball out of the backfield and runs the ball a little bit. This is exactly what Mike Tolbert does. There's such a logjam there right now, and even if they do wind up making it work where we take one of these guys out of the equation, how draftable are whoever's left as a running back, including Mike Tolbert, how draftable are these guys in Carolina? Ugh, not much. Uh, listen, uh, I, I want to see what happens first, if they make any other moves in that backfield, but why would the Panthers sign a running back when they need a wide receiver so badly to complement Steve Smith? So, You've got, I think Stewart is still the best option of the three. Uh, he's no more than a flex player. I think D'Angelo is no more than a, a low-end flex player. I wouldn't even draft Mike Tolbert at this point unless maybe I'm in a touchdown-only league. But even then, they sign him to be a fullback, so how much of the workload will he really see? Goal line carries, that, that's, that's where I'm a little bit concerned. And how does he affect Cam Newton? Cam Newton had 14 rushing touchdowns. I, I've said from day one, once the offseason started, he's not doing that again. There's no way. There, there's no way. I, I see this move made for two reasons, Jason. I think that Mike Tolbert, first of all, they needed a thumper. You don't want your franchise quarterback being your thumper, being your guy who scores from short yardage. They need to protect Newton. Yeah, they love his game. They love that he runs wild, but they're not going to be good with him not on the field. Secondly, you never know what they're going to do on draft day. What if they throw Stewart out there as, as trade bait? So you never know. When you've got three backs like that, now you have a chip. And it's a chip that you can play on draft day if you want to move around. So I really think we're not going to know the full scope of their running back situation until after that time. That said, I would stay away from the Panthers big yes. time. If yeah. I were drafting today, I would not touch those guys. I agree with Fabs. If I'm picking one guy, I'm picking Jonathan Stewart, and I'm playing him in a flex. All right, now another in, in breaking news we found out on Wednesday, the destination for the law firm is mm -hmm. not New York. It was rumored to go to the New York Jets, but now he's going to be a Cincinnati Bengal. Ben Jarvis Green Ellis will be in the black and orange next season. Yep. They parted ways with Cedric Benson, who had a couple of nice seasons mm -hmm. with a lot of carries, but does have some mileage, runs with heavy legs. Here comes Green Ellis, who never really got the chance to be the number one running back in New England. And let's face it, New England doesn't run the football all that much because you don't do that. But here he is now in a situation in Cincinnati where you know they like to run the football. You know they want to help Andy Dalton be able to progress as best as he can. I think they're going to rely heavier on Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. He's shown flashes before. His only time he got to start in more than 11 games, he had his best season uh, of, his, of his young career so far. I think he's got sneaky good value in, in, in a fantasy right now. He could be a, if, depending on where you're drafting, he could be a really good low-end number two or a high-end number three or a flex player because I think he has that kind of potential like we saw with Cedric Benson where he could get close to double-digit touchdowns, 70, 80 yards rushing a game because he's going to be the guy that gets the ball in Cincinnati at this point yes I think I think Jason's right Elliot but what if the Bengals go out and draft a running back that is where I'd have some concern so as it stands right now do I think the law firm could be a, a two in fantasy a nice flex I do if they go out and get Trent Richardson or another running back to come in and compliment the law firm and Bernard Scott then I think you have a different issue the domino effect here guys is that Stephen Ridley's starting to become a nice sleeper because the Patriots no longer have the law firm. You've got Ridley and you've got Danny Woodhead out there. Um, I think Ridley is someone that you have to have on your radar. Is Ridley someone that have on your radar or is Ridley someone that, you know, if I take a chance on him in the eighth round, 
that he could really be. He no, could really reward. That's what I'm saying. Uh, there is, we're going to take chances on a lot of running backs, Fabs, this year. There's a lot of guys you're going to say I'm rolling the dice totally, with this guy. Totally. So, and we all know the Patriots, right? You yeah. can't predict what's going on in that backfield because one week you think it's going to be Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, and then all of a sudden Stephen Ridley is in there, um, or it's Danny Woodhead. So. It's almost like a Mike Shanahan situation where you can't trust anyone in that Patriots backfield. But the player with the best upside from a fantasy perspective, I think Elliot is Stephen Ridley. Yeah, I, I, I could see Ridley, especially he's such a young player. One thing about the law firm, he's younger than Cedric Benson. Yeah, he's and, 27. And he's never fumbled. He's never fumbled. Now, that may not mean anything. Now he's going to fumble a thousand times this uh, year because you just jinxed him. Well, could be. He and, can't hold on to the football in Cincinnati, thanks to Elliott. But head coaches love guys that don't turn over the football, especially when you have a young quarterback. The Bengals are not playing shootout football. They're trying to play good defense and not turn over the ball. So I think law firm could get 20 carries a game and, as you say, be a real sleeper this season for that team. And, you know, keep in mind, he played in an offense in New England where they were spreading the field all the time. It wasn't just the fact that he was in a backfield by committee. I mean, he was in an offense by committee. Yes. I mean, you had Deion Branch, you had Wes Welker, you had Gronk, you know, uh, you had Aaron Hernandez. So in Cincinnati, it's not going to be like that at all. And so I think that his his value is shot through the roof for me. I mean, I, would I draft him ahead of Jamal Charles? Absolutely not. But, you know, barring what they do in the draft – I think Law Firm is a very, very good guy to look at. Now, before we get to the wide receivers here, because there's some plenty of big names that have changed places, don't forget, follow us on Twitter at NFL Fantasy or at NFLcom Live. Get the phone number there to call in, get your thoughts heard like we had earlier in the podcast. Now, because our producer is 49ers fan extraordinaire Dylan Milner, let's begin with the big change, considering when you complete one pass to a wide receiver in the NFC Championship game, you have to go out and make your team better. The 49ers went out and got Randy Moss and Mario Manningham, Super Bowl hero, mm -hmm. fantasy-wise. First of all, if you have to pick, have one of these guys for next year, Randy Moss, Mario Manningham, who do you want? Neither. I, I mean, <laughs> I'd want Manningham. I'll choose C. I, I want, I'd want Crabtree, and I, I'd want – I don't even know that I'd want him. Man, Moss is 35. He didn't play last year. And for all of the reports of how great he was at his workouts during the offseason, three teams quit on him. Three teams in 2010. That's special. Three. The Patriots gave up on him. Then he went to Minnesota. They gave up on him. Then the Titans didn't release him, but they basically gave up on him because he didn't play. And it wasn't like the Titans had these great elite wide receivers ahead of him on the depth chart. I think Moss is a late-round flyer at best. This is not a passing offense. Alex Smith is not Joe Montana, despite what we saw in that one playoff game against the Saints last season. I don't like Moss. I think Mario Manningham's value, if, it, if it's not sort of stagnant, it drops a little bit because I think Eli Manning is clearly a much better quarterback than Alex Smith, and the Giants throw the ball much more than the Niners. I, I'm not in love with any of these receivers. I think Vernon Davis is the guy to go after, and Frank Gore, and after that, flyer picks in San Francisco. Well, I agree with everything that Fabs just said, except for the last part <clears throat> regarding Manningham. I do think he's going to be more valuable this year than he was last year because he got lost in the Akeem Nix-Victor Cruz shuffle. I think he had 500 and some odd yards. But does he get lost in the Vernon Davis-Michael Crabtree-Randy Moss shuffle? I, I don't feel that he does. Uh, Randy Moss may be able to run a 4-3-5 or whatever in his workout, but there are so many nuances to playing wide receiver. 40-yard dash speed really doesn't mean that much in the game anymore. I was just talking to Brian Baldinger about this uh, the other day. You've got to have the want to. 
And that's the question with Randy Moss all the time, isn't it? You got to have the want to to do the little dirty work that makes a receiver great. Jerry Rice did it. Michael Irvin did it. I don't know that Randy Moss wants to do that anymore. I do agree that Vernon Davis, Vernon Davis is the number one option in that that passing attack. Mm-hmm. So, do I think Manningham has great value? No. Do I think he's going to be any worse than last year? No, because Akeem Nix and Victor Cruz were clearly the one and the two. Yeah, Moss is one of those guys. Like I said before, no matter where he is, I don't draft him because I don't think he'll even be on the team after week eight. Because as you said, going through three teams in a year is, is pretty special to do. I don't like Crabtree as much because I felt Alex Smith has had his chance to get into a rhythm and and make Crabtree his number one guy that hasn't worked. So if I'm taking a chance, round 10, round 11, round 12, I need a wide receiver, I'll go with Mario Manningham just because the possibility is there because he has produced with the Giants before. Maybe with more of a role, he's able to do it now. Moss can maybe take the top off of some defenses deep. So he's the guy I'd roll the dice on maybe later on. But, yeah, I'll tell you what, these two big signings by the Niners, and fantasy-wise, you look how minimal impact they really have. Vincent Jackson to the Buccaneers, right? The number one wide receiver that was out there, the Buccaneers trying to win the Super Bowl of the offseason, signing every big player they can under the sun. Here's Vincent Jackson, who's been an elite wide receiver, but look at the end of last year. The Chargers lost confidence in him, had that big time. We didn't turn around for the football on Thursday night football. That really was his ticket out of town, but the Chargers didn't want to sign him anymore. He's starting over here in Tampa Bay. It is Josh Freeman. They do have a couple of weapons there. Where's Vincent Jackson's value? I have him... Right up there at the wide receiver position uh, for busts and fantasy. I don't like him. I don't like him in Tampa Bay. This helps Josh Freeman. It certainly helps Josh Freeman's fantasy value. But Vincent Jackson in an offense that Greg, that Greg Schiano, it, he, he's going to run the ball. He's going to run it. Elliot's looking at me with a with a grin like the cat that just ate the canary. So I know he's got something to say. <laughs> but we have but, a caller. Vincent Jackson, I don't like that move to Tampa Bay from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, as, as far as Vincent Jackson, we'll get to our call in a second because he actually has a big tight end question. We'll get to that in a couple minutes after we get through some of the wide receivers here. But um, I don't know. He's another guy that would be undraftable for me, that I just think it's too much of, an, of a new face and a new place that we've seen the best of Vincent Jackson. I wonder how motivated – anytime you give a wide receiver a ton of money, I always wonder how motivated are you because wide receivers seem to do great, then they get paid, and then suddenly it's, well, all right. That's fine. I'm getting money. He may have a decent season, but I kind of stay away from him. Brandon Marshall, though, is someone, even though he's got all kinds of problems off the field, (laughs) here he is now. You put him on the Chicago Bears. Finally, Jay Cutler is reunited with Brandon Marshall, who had phenomenal seasons, 100-catch seasons early in his career. He's the only guy that's going to get the football there with Matt Forte. They have that dimension that he's going to be able to get the ball. The Bears realize, hey, we got Max protecting Jay Cutler. He's going to get the football out of there. Brandon Marshall, to me, takes a huge leap up. I don't know if he's the second-round pick he might have been earlier on, but to me, he's definitely a third or fourth-round wide receiver, even though he's changing teams and wide receivers struggle. I think Brandon Marshall, someone, because of the familiarity with Jay Cutler, I take a chance on that high. Yeah, I agree with you, and uh, I think Elliot, he, uh, you've got that, you've got that look on your face, like you're, you've got something brilliant to say. I'm going to step back. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I <laughs> for Buck fans, I worry about the Alvin Harper syndrome with yes. Vincent Jackson. Yes, twenty six million dollars guaranteed is a heck of a lot of money to pay a guy like this, which means that in theory. He should be a big part of that offense. Now, what other weapons do the Bucks have to take attention away from him? Not a lot. Not a lot. So that bodes well. But do you want to draft him really high? I think it's too big a risk. I agree with you there. Now, Brandon Marshall, I like Brandon Marshall better than Vincent Jackson. Mm-hmm. I think the Bears' offensive line is going to be better. That's been the laughingstock of the league for long enough. Gabe Karimi got hurt last year. He was their top overall pick. Cutler's going to have better protection. 
Keep in mind, Matt Forte is back. Teams are going to have to account for him. They better hope that he doesn't hold out. <laughs> they better hope. Well, again, we're talking in March here. Yeah. It, so that all bodes well for Brandon Marshall. And you have the fact that Cutler and Marshall worked together so well in Denver. Mm-hmm. The big problem with Marshall and Miami was not the catches. It wasn't the touches. It was the lack of touchdown receptions. And I think that's where Forte will help get them down the field so that Marshall can get seven or eight to ten touchdown receptions as opposed to, what was it, three he had his first year in Miami? Yes. He caught almost 90 balls, had three touchdowns. Yeah, he had no chemistry with anybody that was throwing the football, and he had right. the chemistry with Jay Cutler. Uh, this is a great move for Brandon Marshall. It's a great move for Jay Cutler. I don't know that Jay Cutler's a top-ten fantasy quarterback, but I think Marshall's a low-end number one, a very high-end number two at worst. And what's funny is that he comes in, and if we're looking at the Bears – franchise since the Super Bowl era, he's the best receiver they've ever had. He is the best receiver they've ever had. I think there's only been seven instances where they've had 1,000-yard receivers. Marcus Robinson, Marty Skunker, uh, Bobby Ingram, Dick Gordon. That's it. There, there's yeah. No, Bobby Ingram, no. There, there's not There's not a lot. So he comes in and he is the best. Willie Galt wasn't even a 1,000-yard well, I know who it was. It was Bobby Ingram. It was Jeff Graham. Yes, Curtis Conway, right. So they haven't had much. Jets had both of them later on in their career. After they were good, the Jets had both those guys. Is that it? Is that it? So (laughs) I think Marshall is probably a third rounder, maybe a late second in a 12-team league, depending on what kind of run you see at the wide receiver position in the second round. But his value is certainly on the rise. The only issue with him is that he's got a two-cent head. And hopefully he can keep that issue off the field and, and produce on it. Here's a tough one for you guys, because he's going to be the number two receiver on his team, but the potential for production is incredible. Brandon Lloyd. I know how much Fabs likes Brandon Lloyd. We've talked to him a couple of times. I don't like it because I'm a Jet fan, but fantasy-wise, I love the move for Brandon Lloyd because he's someone who has shown that no matter who is throwing him the football, he can get good chemistry with him and get it pretty quickly, whether it was Sam Bradford or Kellen Clemens you know, or whether whoever it was in Denver throwing him the football. I think John Elway threw him a couple of passes at one point. He's been able to produce, and now you put him in that pass-happy offense now in New England. His, his draft value is, boy, am I going to – get a gem and getting him late or is someone going to reach for him early? He's got a right now. He's one of those guys. We really scratch head and go, where, where do I really have to look to get him? Because I don't know where people are going to try to take him. I I love this move. You know, a lot of people were down on Brandon Lloyd last year. You know, Fabs, you talked about how his numbers were going to be down from the year before and they were, but keep in mind, this guy was on a Denver team that didn't have a lot of firepower, that changed quarterbacks. He got traded to the Rams, who had no offensive line and had Sam Bradford struggling so badly, and he still almost had 1,000 yards receiving. He came very close. I think he caught 70 passes. And he had five touchdowns with the Rams. Five touchdowns with the Rams. And he also missed a couple of games. So you have that kind of production in those awful circumstances. What's he going to do in New England's system with Tom Brady throwing him the football, he's easily an upgrade over Deion Branch, in my opinion. Uh, if Wes Welker takes uh, attention away from him, as well as Gronkowski, that only bodes well for fantasy owners. The Patriots throw the ball so much mm-hmm. that I don't think you have to worry about him not getting enough touches. It's a great move, and I think it's a great value if you can get yeah, him in the right round. Branches, branches over the hill. Ocho Cinco's, he's over two hills at this point, right? He's just done. <laughs> he's so, passed an entire mountain of hills. Exactly. So you've got the Tom Brady effect. And when I interviewed Brandon a few weeks ago, he – when you mentioned Josh McDaniels' name, he just glows. And he just <laughs> – he knows that Josh knows how to utilize him like no other coach that he's ever had in his NFL career. And he was with the Niners and the Redskins and, and the Bears. And 
all of a sudden he just clicked with McDaniels. It's a perfect fit. What did Tom Brady not have last year in the pass attack? He didn't have a vertical threat. Now he does. You can't double cover Brandon Lloyd either because Gronkowski will kill you, because Welker will kill you, because Aaron Hernandez will kill you. So this is a perfect, perfect fit. Maybe he'll be inconsistent at times because there are so many options in the pass attack for Brady to throw the ball to. But as Elliot said, they throw it so much. I'd be shocked if Lloyd didn't have at least 1,100 yards and somewhere around double-digit touchdowns. I can see him having 8 to 10, somewhere in that area. I think he's probably going to come off the board somewhere in the middle rounds, around 5, round 6. He could be a really good number 2 fantasy receiver. Remember, keep in mind that he's got one of the greatest quarterbacks ever throwing him the football. And oh, by the way, who was the offensive coordinator in New England when Tom Brady broke like every record in the book for quarterbacks? It was McDaniels. All right, so we talk about the Brady effect. We have the Breeze effect. We have the Peyton Manning effect. Do we have a Philip Rivers effect in San Diego with Robert Meacham? Because remember, Meacham had Drew Brees throwing the football. You could never right. really cut through. But Meacham also, and this is the one thing that I worry about with Meacham, he wasn't good enough in New Orleans where he actually could see a full complement of snaps. He saw, what, maybe 60% of the snaps in, in New Orleans last year, Elliot. So the the fit is great. North Turner seems to think he could be a number one receiver. The opportunity is going to be there. He's got another elite quarterback throwing him the football. He's probably a number two. E in fantasy, but I want to see him go out and do it because I would say Jason at best, said, too in fantasy. As Jason said, he had Drew Brees and an offense that throws the ball a ton, and he was ridiculously inconsistent for fantasy. You know, Ellie, I'm not worried about Philip Rivers because we've seen when Vincent Jackson took that nosedive at the end of last year, Rivers started throwing the football to Malcolm Floyd. He would get the, he would spread the ball around. And when he Jackson was back held to being out, Rivers, Rivers was great. Yeah, he was great. So I'm he not was worried about Shady Tutu and Patrick Creighton. Right. So I'm not worried about Rivers. I think Rivers is still that elite level of quarterback. So I'm not. But as far as Meacham coming in and being suddenly, oh, he's the number one guy, and I'm expecting Vincent Jackson numbers. There's no way. I mean, Meacham's another guy. He might be undraftable for me just because he's too much of a risk. Well, I see both sides of it on Meacham, and not to speak out of both sides of my mouth, but I, I see the, the, the positives and the negatives. I think the positives for Meacham that could give you confidence about drafting him, Jason, is who's the other number one there? I mean, is, is, it, is, is Malcolm Floyd really going to be the guy? Uh, Antonio Gates can't stay healthy. He can, he can barely move sometimes, and then sometimes he's great, but he's getting older. They just got rid of part of their running game. So how much are they going to run the football? Tolbert's in, in Carolina. Ryan Matthews can't stay healthy to save his life. So all those things play into And Phillip Rivers can't be any worse than he was last year throwing interceptions. Rivers, Rivers could be a nice value this year. Yeah, the only downside I see, Fabs, here is that, keep in mind, they still have Vincent Brown. Yep. Young guy. Yep. Eddie Royal, Eddie Royal. You know, you worry about that. Is this going to be one of those deals where they're using all four receivers equally? That would be my only concern. I'm cautiously optimistic about Meacham, and that's the best way I can put it. All right. Now, two guys who were late-day wonders. You have Laurent Robinson, who was very good last year when he came, maybe the, one of the best free agent pickups of the year with the Dallas Cowboys. Now he goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, where he could be catching passes from Chad Henney, could be Blaine Gabbard, could be Mark Brunel. Then you also have Pierre Garçon, who put up some kind of numbers, okay numbers when Peyton Manning was on the football, had a couple of big games last year. He's with the Redskins. They're going to be starting over with Robert Griffin. So if you're looking between Pierre Garçon and Laurent Robinson for this year, Laurent Robinson's got a better pedigree. Maybe Pierre Garçon is catching passes from a better quarterback. Which guy do you draft? Robinson doesn't have a better pedigree than Garçon. I don't, need, I don't like either one of them. He well, was better last year than Garcon was. I know, but that's and the year Tony before. Romo. No, he was lousy. Okay, that's why I say. He had four you, touchdowns you in his in career. He had four touchdowns in his career before he went to Dallas. He was a complete result of the Cowboys offense and Tony Romo. 
He is going to be an absolute disaster in Jacksonville. I would like him a little bit more if Chad Henney was the quarterback because I don't have any faith in Blaine Gabbert at all. None at all. He was horrible last season. Again, Garcon, he's a two on a team with like four twos. And that, that <laughs> we don't even know if Santana Moss is even going to be sticking on that team. So I like Garcon better. RG3 factor, he'll be the quarterback. LaRon Robinson, listen, my man, it was fun while it lasted in Dallas, but I wouldn't even draft you uh, in 2012. Yeah, the the ironic thing here with Washington is, could Santana Moss still end up being the best option? Yeah. To come in, he's, he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. If he's, st- if he's still on the team. And look, look what happened last year with Steve Smith. Everyone thought Steve, Steve Smith was you know going the way of the Dodo Bird. He had a huge year. I'm not saying that, that Santana Moss is going to have a huge year, but he's already been playing in Washington. Shanahan knows him. He's the most veteran guy there. Josh Morgan could end up being better than Pierre Garcon, so I have a hard time trusting any of those guys. On so, the other hand... So, in other words, you're not going to trust anybody in Washington, again, outside of maybe Fred Davis and RG3. Maybe. Yeah, well, and I'm looking at the waiver wire. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, the first week, I'm going to see who gets the touches. Jason, you love to talk about touches. You see who's getting the, the, the looks in that offense, and then you pick up the appropriate receiver. On the subject of LaRon Robinson... You know, it's it's a little easier to put up big numbers when you're playing on a flat, you know, a fast track there at Jerry World. No double with, coverage. With no double coverage. Tony Romo throwing you the football. Jason Witten attracting the safety over yeah. the top. And even when Austin was hurt, guess who was on the other side? Des Bryant. Who are teams more worried about, LaRon Robinson or Des Bryant? Who is the number two wide receiver in Jacksonville right now? Anybody? Anybody? Jason Hill? Anybody? Ch- Chaston West. <laughs> Chaston West. My I tell you, point, I saw a movie exactly. on HBO late at night with Chaston West in it. I know he was in it. I looked at the credits. Okay, no, not really. Smith, yeah, come on. Now, hey, now uh, tight end, it hasn't been a great free agent period for tight ends as far as fantasy goes, but we do have Jay in Jersey on the line that has a tight end question. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, hey, guys. How are you today? Good, um, thanks. I wanted to ask you, what do you think about um, Giants tight end, Marcellus Bennett? Um, is he going to be a sleeper pick, or is he going to be a good, solid fantasy option? I mean, his size is intriguing. Could be a red zone player. And now he has Eli Manning uh, throwing him the ball in that offense. So, um, so what's your opinion on Mark? No, I, I think I think you read my mind. Listen, as a Cowboys fan, you know, Elliot is in the same boat. We've watched Martellus Bennett. We like him athletically. Again, a guy with a two-cent head. But listen. The Giants are going to throw the ball. There's no doubt about that. I think Victor Cruz is going to be good, not great like he was last season. You've got Mario Manningham gone. You've got a bunch of sort of average wide receivers battling for that third spot on the depth chart, right? So Bennett could come in, and Eli likes to throw the ball to his tight end. You talk about Jeremy Shockey. Even Jake Ballard had some value last year. If you remember, he was getting some red zone targets. I think Martellus Bennett is going to be worth a late-round flyer in a deeper league. And he's not going to be a number one fantasy tight end. I, I don't see that happening. But he's somebody that maybe you can plug in if the matchup is good. I, I think he is going to be in the best position that he's ever been in at the pro level to put up decent fantasy numbers. You know what the problem with you is? What? See, when you go first like that, you take away every good point that I could possibly make. Gonna, I'll, and, then I'll, I, and then I have to I have to regurgitate. So I'm going to go a totally different... You only have I'm, one point? I, you're supposed to have more than one point. You're supposed to be very so he's versatile. talking you. He's saying you only had one point. There. Harrison, Actually, you, you are... Yeah, come on, you are the, the absolute... You know, you're, you're the expert here well, about all things NFL. Well, let me tell you this. You Break know, it down. Martellus Bennett, he, he always reminds me of, of that girl 
that you're telling your friends about. It's always like, got to go back to girls no, no, with Harrison. No, it, no it's, it's always you hang like, out with a guy in Indianapolis like I did, that women throwing themselves at his feet. No. Crazy. No. All right. All right, forget that. I'm going to drop that analogy because <laughs> even if I make a great analogy, you guys are going to kill me. <laughs> Martellus Bennett, it's how long have you heard this, Fabs? Oh, he has great size. He has great athletic ability. Oh, he can make plays. The bottom line is he never made those plays. You know who was a more valuable number two tight end in Dallas than him? Anthony Fasano, who now plays in Miami, who didn't have those things. So what do I think his value is going to be in New York? Negligible. I mean, if See, you, but there you disagreed with me there. So that's you made your point. It was totally different than mine. You don't even like him. Well, but part of that was because I just wanted to take the other side. OK, good. No, <laughs> I, I really I would honestly uh, hesitate drafting Martellus Bennett. I, I, I really would, because the guy has never been reliable. A, a player, he can have all the ability in the world, but he has to be where the quarterback is expecting him to be. Brandon Lloyd will be where Tom Brady expects him to be on a given play. Martellus Bennett won't always be there, and that's going to be a problem. Eli Manning's got plenty of other options, too. You know, we, we talk a lot, just to get a little bit more about tight ends here before we wrap up, is that running back position has been devalued, right? Wide receivers are harder to, to figure out because you have two guys on each team that are catching a lot of passes. You take a look at the tight end position, and it's like you have two or three guys up at the top who are like, well, these are all, and then it's like, you fall off a cliff, mm-hmm. and it's, who knows? Maybe Fred Davis is good, but maybe he gets suspended. I have no idea. Maybe Dustin Keller is good. Maybe he gets suspended. I have no idea. Throw in the fact that there's no way Gronkowski has the same year next year he has this year with defenses being able to get used to him, and you can't have a career year two years in a row. And suddenly that tight end position, if you're in a league that you have to have a tight end, if you don't get one of, if you don't get one of the top two, three, you don't get Jimmy Graham, you don't get Aaron Hernandez, you don't get Rob Gronkowski, you throw a dart at the wall. Where, where would Gronkowski come off the board in your fantasy draft? Jason and Elliott. Oh, he'll come off the board in, in a couple of my leagues no later than the third round. Second round Second pick? Second round pick. Can I just throw one guy out there, though, that I think has been really forgotten about very quickly? We talk so much about Jamal Charles. We've, you know, Dwayne Bowe got franchised. That was big news. Let's not forget that Tony Moyaki was slated to catch at least 80 balls. Now, Todd Haley may not be there anymore, but they were huge on yeah, Tony Moyaki. They also Kevin got Kevin Boss, Boss too. I don't like Kevin that. Boss hurts. does not scare me. He does not scare me. I'm just saying that if Tony Moyaki is sitting there in the late rounds, pick him up. Pick him up. I think he's a forgotten about player. He's in the Martellus Bennett tier, I think. Oh, I take him over Martellus Bennett. No, no, <laughs> every time. No, 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 he's in that tier, though. He's in that tier. I'm not saying I wouldn't do the same thing. He's in that sort of tier. All right, this is a special edition, free agency-wise, of NFL Fantasy Live. I'm Jason Smith. He's Michael Fabiano, Elliot Harrison. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter, at NFL Fantasy, also at NFL.com Live. And, of course, for all your fantasy needs, NFL.com slash fantasy. You'll see Elliot Harrison's smiling face, Michael Fabiano sneer, and, of course, me, the good-looking one of the bunch, Jason Smith. And we'll talk to you next time. Have a great fantasy what week. What mirror are you looking into, Smith? I look, in the, I look into the mirror of my soul. I feel like a wrestler. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.